0: Well, unfortunately, we only got half a recount.
1: You didn't even get that much, lady. Neither did we.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair.
1: No, I'm not.
2: And I'm how i get down the stairs. No stairs here. Clowns to the left me yep
1: from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la 98.7 fm in santa barbara 93.7 fm in san diego 99.5 fm in ridgecrest and china lake up in Oregon on ninety one point seven FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and eighty eight point uh, and one hundred six point seven FM Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on ninety three FM WLRI, in Hawaii on eighty eight point five FM KAKU, the Voice of Maui, in Columbus, Ohio WGRN ninety four point one FM. Palinville, New York's WLPP 102.9 FM and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. The progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also coast-to-coast and around the globe streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, Blanketing, Planet Earth. Five days a week, whether you like it or not. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling action-packed adventure. And it is so thrilling that I'm going to open up the phone lines in a bit. It has been a while over the... uh, Well, over our holiday break and uh, KPFK has uh, been on a fun drive out here. So we are back live in the studios today. Um, We're going to open up the phone lines in a bit. Our phone number will be 818-985-5735. If you'd like to uh, if you'd like to join uh, the conversation, because we've got a new session of Congress now underway. Despite Republicans losing seats last November in both the uh, in both the House and the Senate and Democrats, uh, by the way, received more votes for uh, Senate races than Republicans did. So that's happening. And it looks like no way to stop Donald Trump, who did receive, I should add, some three million votes less Than Hillary Clinton nationally. That is a record. Uh, But there's no way to stop him, it looks like, from becoming president of the United States and enjoying the spoils of a so far successfully stolen, yes, stolen U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Mitch McConnell, the uh, Republican uh, majority leader in the U.S. Senate, responded to Chuck Schumer, who is now the minority leader in the U.S. Senate, Chuck Schumer, uh, yesterday said they intended to oppose, or at least he suggested uh, he would be opposing uh, whoever Donald Trump's nomination was for the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court, if it was not what was the word he? Uh, I forget the word he used. If it was not acceptable to the mainstream, sounds to me. Like he'll end up rolling over uh, for whoever it is that Donald Trump nominates. I'd love to be wrong. But in any case, uh, Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, responded to Chuck Schumer after Mitch McConnell spent the last year, a full year, blocking uh, anybody uh, nominated by uh, Barack Obama from even having a meeting, much less a a confirmation hearing uh, after Mitch McConnell and the Republicans Blocked the constitutional duties of the president to appoint a Supreme Court justice. Uh, Here's what Mitch McConnell had to say in response to Chuck Schumer today.
3: I noticed my counterpart, Senator Schumer, announced yesterday, apparently there's yet a new standard now, which is uh, to not confirm a Supreme Court nominee at all. I I think that's uh, something the American people simply will not tolerate. And we'll be looking forward to receiving a Supreme Court nomination and moving forward on it.
1: Yeah. Well, will they tolerate it or not? We'll find out. But uh, frankly, I'm in favor of it. I don't like uh, things
3: that are stolen
1: like the way the Republicans stole the Supreme Court. Nonetheless, uh, what now? Uh, we can, uh, and I'm going to open up the phones to this in a little bit. I've got some other stuff to cover here first, but I'm giving you the heads up. 818-985-5735. What now? What can or should Democrats or progressives or the left or the center left or basically the non-right do Uh, In in, in the face of Trump, it may be a question I'm asking a lot uh, throughout these next couple of years, four years, eight years, but how do we survive them? What now? What should politicians do? But more importantly, what should we, the people, do? I haven't had a chance to hear from callers yet on this uh, over the past, uh, well, few weeks, few months, as we've been covering the fallout of the election, as we've been covering the election itself, the attempt to recount the election or count it in the first place. So if you want to get in line uh, to join us with your thoughts 818-985-5735. 818-985-5735. If you're uh, listening live in our KPFK Pacifica Radio listening area, by the way, thanks to all of those who supported KPFK uh, during our recent fund drive, the need now to support independent media is greater than ever, as I hope as I hope you have noticed. Um, but if not, yeah, take my word for it. Uh, we need independent media. Uh, and good, accurate Truthful Independent Media, which you'll find here on the Bradcast, but you'll also find at uh, KPFK and Pacifica Radio and all of our affiliates. Um, and by the way, you, you can't tweet me for the moment uh, because uh, I think the wireless is down here in the studio. Um, maybe that'll change, but uh, generally I can be reached on the Twitters at the Blog. But I'm having trouble at the moment. In any event. All right. On a a related note to all of this, what should we do? And on the fact that it is much worse than many of you may already think, you know, um, (laughs) among other uh, problems and concerns, Desi Doyen, uh, no Green News report today. We're just coming off our holiday break. Uh, So uh, we got you there? (laughs) There you go. All right. Um, But we we covered this uh, aborted attempt yesterday by the House GOP to put the Office of Congressional Ethics uh, to gut it, actually, to kill it. Um, And it was stopped. It was blocked because of public outrage. But Desi Doyne, you noticed another aspect of the uh, the new Republican House rules uh, that were adopted yesterday, that did not get the attention from the public or the media uh, the way the, the the Republican attempt to shut down the independent congressional ethics watchdog uh, did. Uh, another rule that was slipped in successfully, and I think it is worth noting here how the House rules changes will make it easier to sell off federal lands.
0: Right. Um, And that's basically because right now when you have federal lands, these are public lands, lands owned by you and me, anybody who is a citizen of the United States, whenever federal lands have some kind of activity on them, they generate revenue. That could be grazing fees. That could be mining. That could be fossil fuel extraction. um, That could be farming. It would be any number of things that generate revenue for the federal government. So what the House Republicans did in establishing the new rules for this new session, part of that is determining how things get decided By by the budget. So this new budget rule that the House Republicans have put in that they alone can vote on basically says that transferring federal lands to the states is going to be revenue neutral. In other words, oh, if these federal lands generate revenue for the federal government, for the taxpayer, Mm -hmm. we're going to pretend like they don't generate anything. Because if you transfer these federal lands to the states, then you have to account we're, for the loss of federal transfer, revenue.
1: Yeah, if you right, exactly. We're losing money when we transfer away federal lands when we give them away to to either the states uh, or private uh, outfits or whatever. We're, right. we're losing money and. We're not allowed, uh, the way the budget is set up, you, 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 you can't right. lose money, you Have to or if you lose Specifically, money, you have under to raise existing, taxes yeah, Under something. existing yeah.
0: House rules, any measure that costs the U.S. Treasury any money, including losses, must be offset by either budget cuts or some other revenue-raising provision like raising taxes. So by declaring these federal lands as being revenue-neutral, they don't bring in any money, then House Republicans don't have to account for that lost revenue by cutting from something something else. Elsewhere. So, this is their trick to make it a lot easier because that was a hurdle that every single land transfer provision that Mm -hmm. was ever proposed had to be accounted for. And so, now that they've made them so called revenue neutral, sounds great, but in reality, it's a loss to public. Coffers from, you know, by saying That there is no, there's no revenue from here and So I mean, we can just transfer it to the states, lose that Revenue, yeah. we don't have to account yeah, for Yeah, and
1: it. not only Is it a, a obviously a loss of public coffers But it also means that it's uh, easier To do, easier to not notice, easier to Give away these exactly. these federal lands, and that's What Republicans uh, seem to Be doing uh, uh, Congressman Raul Gralva uh, The top Democrat on the Natural Resources Committee sent a letter on Tuesday to Democrats trying to get Them to uh, oppose these uh, the the rules package. Because of this, there's only so much, unfortunately, that Democrats can do in this case. Uh, Graalva calls it uh, a plan to give away America's public lands for free. He says it's outrageous and absurd. And uh, it would make it easier to implement uh, the plan by allowing the Congress to give away every single piece of property that we own for free and pretend we have lost nothing of value. Unbelievable. Uh, he says not only is it fiscally irresponsible, but it's a flagrant attack on places and resources valued and beloved by the American people.
0: One of the things that Republicans like to say and people who want to... In- to, to increase the transfer of public lands to the states is that they say, oh, well, this is going to be a burden. These federal lands are a burden on the local communities. They're a burden because they create revenue from <laughs> outdoor tourism and from other, you know, and fish, fisheries and subsistence farming, subsistence hunting. You know, so there is revenue that comes to these public lands. And the problem with transferring them to the states is the states are already cash strapped and already don't have the money or the mm-hmm. revenue to maintain these public lands, which means When a state gets into a budget crisis, they'll be very tempted to sell off these lands, to privatize them, sell them off to, you know, private industry to extract whatever can be sold from them to make up for these budget shortfalls. Only the federal government has the coffers, the the budgetary uh, ability to support the federal lands that we all own. This is going to take it away from all of us. Forever. That's the idea. Forever, Forever. by
1: the way. But other than that, you you know, Hillary Clinton had a private email server, so go get her. Um, All right. uh, Green Party presidential nominee Jill Stein. Remember her? Remember that uh, recount we we covered throughout the month of uh, November and December in great detail? Well, she's still at it. Green Party uh, nominee Jill Stein uh, held a rally on Tuesday at the state capitol in Madison, Wisconsin, to address the results of the state's historic recount, as the Madison State Journal described it which her, her campaign paid $3.5 million to initiate. Now, the price was supposed to be uh, $1 million, and they said, oh, no, no, uh, we've changed it. It's now $3.5 million to have any kind of count at all. So uh, she had a rally uh, to discuss the results of that. We will call it a recount in quotes. Uh, and she also launched uh, the Count My Vote Wisconsin website. That's countmyvotewi.com. Now the results of the recount, such as they are, such as they were, uh, ended up adding 130 something, 131 votes to uh, Donald Trump's reported victory over Hillary Clinton in Wisconsin. But as I'm happy to see that Madison State Journal actually noted here, that hand that count. And it was not a hand count; it was half a hand count, half a machine count. Half of the ballots were just run through an optical scanner again. But that, what they did, re-examine by human beings, uh, they corrected more than eleven thousand erroneously counted votes. Eleven thousand. Now that was out of uh, nearly three million cast. But in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Donald Trump reportedly only won by uh, just over 22,000. And they found when they bothered to count half the ballots by hand that 11,000 of them at least had been erroneously counted in the first place that we would have never known about uh, had Jill Stein not filed for this hand count. Now, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump picked up hundreds of votes, but in the end, uh, as I said, it added about 130 votes to Donald Trump's. But the way, that they, the way that they traditionally report these in all of the states, whenever they do these recounts, they talk to the media. If Donald Trump in one precinct picks up 100 votes and in another precinct in that same county he loses 100 votes when they bother to count by hand, they'll call that a perfect count. Perfect count despite the fact that you've got 200 miscounts uh, in, in that scenario. Uh, in any event, uh, it was very close race in Wisconsin. Uh, the reported results, just uh, 0.67, basically just over six-tenths of one percent difference. And yet... Uh, Only half of the ballots were allowed to be hand count in the state of Wisconsin. And in Wisconsin, that was the only one, the only state to do any kind of statewide quote unquote recount. Trump successfully blocked the attempts at recounts in both uh, Pennsylvania and in Michigan. And that, after Trump said, you know, claimed millions of fraudulent votes were cast. Well, really? Uh, Apparently, even if they were, he doesn't want to know about it because uh, he stopped the counting in Pennsylvania. He stopped the counting in Michigan and in Wisconsin. uh, We essentially got half a count. Uh, And uh, Jill Stein uh, uh, spoke about it before she uh, before the press conference that she gave uh, yesterday. Do I have this? Yeah. Clip number one, Federico.
0: Well, unfortunately, we only got half a recount, and it was the uh, low-income urban communities of color that basically just did the same thing all over again. We are still trying to get the minutes from the counties so that we can actually have an accurate tally of what went right and what went wrong. Um, We are also calling for an examination of the uh, software, that these proprietary machines
1: use. So, right. She's still trying to get an examination of the software. And uh, as uh, I I learned a, a day or two ago, it appears that while Wisconsin is supposed to have the source code for that software in escrow, apparently they don't. Or at least they haven't uh, turned it over to uh, to Jill Stein, as she believes and as the loss uh, defines, uh, she is entitled to. She's still trying to get at that. And she mentioned the minutes from the counties when they do these counts. If someone has an objection, they say, no, I don't believe that should be counted for candidate X. They put it down in the minutes. They uh, put it in a log. And then at the end of the recount, they give that log to the Wisconsin Election Commission. But the Wisconsin Election Commission goes ahead and certifies the results before they've even looked at the uh, before they've even examined the minutes. There could be thousands of objections and they haven't examined them. Uh, And before in this case, before they bother to give them to the candidate who actually paid in this case, three and a half million dollars. For half a hand count, Stein's campaign raised more than seven million dollars in a very short period. You may recall she announced on this program uh, on the broadcast uh, just the day before Thanksgiving that she would be counting in these three states. Uh, And we had her here to explain it at that time. But only Wisconsin uh, made it past court challenges seeking to halt all three. Trump's uh, people tried to stop it in Wisconsin as well. An additional point or two. The Wisconsin Election Commission said on Tuesday this week that the actual cost of the recount, $1.8 million. There's still two counties yet to report, uh, so it's going to be about $2 million, but that's about half of what the counties had originally estimated. So good thing she was able to pay it up to pay up. Good thing she was able to raise that much money. Most candidates would not be able to raise the money to afford a recount of any type at all. And we've seen that out here in California, where county officials just pretty much make up any damn number they want for the cost of the count. And if you can't pay that money up front, then you can't have any kind of human examination of the ballots. And in this case, in Wisconsin, they have mostly paper ballots, but you're not allowed to look at them. You're not allowed to count them uh, until you uh, fork up, in this case, about $4 million, even though the actual uh, cost of the count was less, than, um, was less than $2 million. Stein said it should not take a bake sale on steroids to ensure the integrity of an election. Well, it does, Ms. Stein, Dr. Stein. Uh, she said it's not, only, it's not the only instance in which we, the voters, were told uh, that uh, if we wanted to have a verified vote, it was going to cost us an obscene amount of money. It seemed like this was part of a broader resistance to transparency and accountability in our vote. Yes, it was. Stein also criticized the recount for not being done completely by hand. It certainly should have been, but it wasn't. She notes that 55 percent of the votes were recounted by hand. But Milwaukee, for example, with higher poverty and potentially more ballot issues, was one of the counties that did a machine recount, simply taking the pa- the, the, the paper ballots and run running them through. Uh, Pretty much the same optical scan computers that counted them in the first place, either correctly or incorrectly. Who knows? Who knows? Unless you examine them by uh, by hand. Um (laughs) So uh, you know, Aaron Rupar, uh, I think Progress wrote yesterday. We were when we were talking about the Office of the Congressional uh, Congressional Ethics and what the Republicans were trying to do to gut that. Uh, he, he credited, or he was talking about how the media, everyone, the mainstream, the corporate media, from Washington Post to CNN to Bloomberg, that they had misreported. Uh, the attempt by Republicans uh, to shut down that office specifically by crediting Trump with having blocked it. They said he blast Donald Trump blasts Republican efforts. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't. It was public outrage that uh, finally got the Republicans to pull that amendment from the rules change. But Rupar wrote at the end of uh, the article, citing all of these mainstream corporate outlets that completely misreported that story yesterday, he wrote, the episode embodied Trump's tried and true Twitter strategy. Tweet something that sounds good but is inaccurate. Lap up the positive coverage. And by the time the media figures out that it has been fooled, news consumers have moved on to the next thing. Well... That's uh, applicable to a lot of what we are seeing, once again, from the corporate media. And that's certainly true when it comes to what is supposed to be our constitutional representative democracy in this country. And yes, once again, uh, you know, when it comes to elections, the media just moves on and finding out who actually won the presidential election. Frankly, the media does not care. They may or may not have been fooled, but either way... News consumers have moved on to the next thing in no small part because the news media themselves have moved on to the next thing. But we haven't, Uh, at least not when it comes to uh, new news about uh, the attempt of uh, the citizenry to oversee their own election results and find out if they're right. Now, this Friday, January 6th, in what will most likely be a pro forma event, Uh, That few, if anyone, will notice. Vice President Joe Biden will read the results of the Electoral College for each state. And barring any extraordinary surprises, uh, Congress will vote to approve them without challenge. And that will be that. And Donald Trump will officially become the president-elect this Friday. And he'll then go on to take the oath of office at his inauguration on January 20th to become the 45th president of the United States. So, I kind of think what happened there in Wisconsin uh, and in Michigan and in Pennsylvania, both of those states., uh, it was even closer, by the way, in Michigan. It was just a point two tenths of one percent, just ten thousand votes out of some five million cast in Michigan. Well, Trump successfully blocked the count there. I kind of think all of that is important. One more point uh, here on uh, on Wisconsin, election fraud investigator Richard Hayes Phillips. Uh, tells me today that a number of the counties in Wisconsin have still not completed their updates on uh, voter registration numbers. The same day, They have same-day voter registration in Wisconsin, uh, but they haven't updated how many people actually registered to vote on Election Day, November 8th of last year, 2016. That's still not updated, so that means now that almost two months after the election, And after a a, a partial count to check the results and after after the Electoral College has already cast its votes on December 19 and with Congress ready to uh, approve the Electoral College vote uh, this Friday, January 6, we still have no official voter registration numbers in Wisconsin to compare the results to. So those Wisconsin counties that show 90 percent voter turnout and there were a lot of them. Uh, 90% voter turnout in some areas, more than 100% voter turnout in a number of cases, which is impossible. What we don't know. We can have no idea if those numbers were legit or if the results were, were were due to ballot box stuffing or computer error or anything else because we don't know what the registration numbers were. We don't know what the turnout numbers were. In these counties, and we're not going to know until after the electoral college votes are accepted by Congress this Friday. Kind of amazing, it seems to me, uh, that and, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody in the corporate media cares. Nobody even in most of the independent media cares. I think it's worth caring. Eight, uh, 11,000 votes were miscounted. We know that much. We don't know how many were miscounted in the, in the other half that were not uh, c- counted by hand. Richard Hayes Phillips uh, has, is a longtime election fraud investigator. He told me again earlier today uh, that the state of Wisconsin has certified as true and correct election results that cannot be verified. It's U.S. democracy for you. How's it going? Not going well. And it was noticed uh, not just by me in this case, but also by the Electoral Integrity Project, although uh, not a lot of folks in the media noticed because they released their latest report uh, on election integrity across the world, global election integrity. They released their latest report uh, over uh, over the holiday weekend or just before the New Year's holiday weekend. Uh, They find that uh, the integrity of America's electoral system lags far behind other Western democracies, according to their newest report. Overall, the U.S. electoral system has about as much integrity as those in Argentina, Mongolia and Rwanda, according to the joint project from Harvard University and the University of Sydney. As The Hill uh, covered their reports, uh, America is just about dead last, just about dead last among among established democracies when it comes to electoral integrity. The study surveyed more uh, more than 700 American political scientists on the perceived integrity of their state's electoral system. The experts were asked to rate the state's performance on everything from Election uh, election laws and procedures to district boundaries, voter registration, and campaign finance laws. Uh, unlike uh, most Western democracies, we have wide variance in the integrity of individual systems from state to state, because each state has their own constitutional authority to administer elections and to draw their own district lines and set rules that govern voter access. Well, the survey found Vermont. Vermont has the the best electoral system in the U.S. according to these. 700 American political scientists and election experts. So, way to go, Vermont, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Yes, Wisconsin ranked at the bottom of the pack. Uh, since, uh, particularly since 2000, says Pippa Norris, the Harvard political scientist who runs the study. What's been happening uh, in in American elections is increasing partisan polarization. Uh, Sorts of issues that are usually handled as purely administrative issues are uh, ending up in court. Uh, She says what's happened since 2000 is the lawyers have thrown their hats into the ring. Many of the states that uh, scored lowest in the Electoral Integrity Projects report have been at the heart of these legal battles over election rules after taking over a number of uh, legislatures in 2010. In the midterm elections, Republicans led the charge to require voters, for example, to show ID at the polls in states such as North Carolina and in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, all states that were crucial to the presidential election. Democratic-led states uh, like California, hey, way to go, California, that's us. California and Oregon, on the other hand, have passed laws that uh, make it uh, easier to register more voters. Arizona scored particularly badly in categories involving electoral laws, district boundaries, and efficacy of electoral authorities. Wisconsin, however, scored particularly low in the district boundaries category. This after a panel of uh, three federal judges ruled, as we reported last month, uh, they ruled in November that the state's legislative district lines unfairly benefited Republicans, those district lines which were drawn after the 2010 census and have been in place for all of these years through all of these uh, elections contested and otherwise in the state of Wisconsin. The state, according to this report, also scored dismally uh, low on election laws following the court battles over photo ID restrictions. Where, for example, in Wisconsin, uh, some 300,000 voters were found to not have the type of IDs that are now required by the state of Wisconsin to vote there. And yet we held a presidential election there anyway. An election with just a 22,000 vote margin. North Carolina also ranked very low thanks to their uh, Republicans sweeping election reform measure in 2013, much of which was gutted by the federal was killed by the federal courts. But a lot of it stayed in place, uh, including their district boundaries, uh, which they also were found to be unconstitutional. They will hold a new election next year for 28, 28 seats. In, uh, in the, uh, uh, the state assembly, 28 seats where Republicans currently enjoy a veto-proof minor- uh, majority in both houses, they're going to have to have a new election because for the past six years, they've had these unconstitutional uh, 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 congressional districts, state assembly districts that they've drawn. Pippa Norris of Harvard, the political scientist who runs the Electoral Integrity Project, says America is particularly bad in terms of gerrymandering of political districts. You think? Of the 15 lowest scoring states, by the way, Republicans control both state legislative chambers in 14 of them. It is no accident in most of those 14 states, including Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Michigan, Ohio, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Wisconsin and Arizona, the Republican-led legislatures have made significant changes to election laws in recent years. Rhode Island, where Democrats control both chambers of the legislature and the governor's mansion, that's the lone state near the bottom uh, of the 50, according to this report, the lone state that is not controlled by Republicans. So there you go. High marks. By the way, high marks were given in addition to California and Oregon were given to Vermont, Idaho, New Hampshire, Iowa and New Mexico, Washington and Colorado, uh, which conduct their elections by mail. They ranked in the top 10 as well. Uh, But the report found that states in the south are generally seen as having more troubled electoral systems than northeastern and western states. Um the political science. One more note here: the political scientist pointed to the 2013 Supreme Court decision striking down Section 5 of the Federal Voting Rights Act, which, uh, with uh, ruling that states with histories of racial discrimination, uh, that they no longer need to seek Justice Department approval before changing election laws. Uh, those are the states that were found to be the worst here. Uh, that, after Chief Justice John Roberts wrote, racial discrimination in election laws was no longer a problem. Evidence from these expert evaluations suggests that this may have been unduly optimistic. The researchers wrote. I should say the researchers researchers understated. And that was a guy who was uh, John Roberts. <laughs> whose uh, appointment to the Supreme Court was not contested. Well, now I hope, I hope, personally, I hope that Democrats do what Republicans did and block any appointment for the next four years to the U.S. Supreme Court after it has been stolen. The stealing continues, uh, but that's just what I hope. What do you hope? What is next? Uh, what? What should people who are not uh, Donald Trump fans, who are not far right wingers, who support him, what should they do? What should Democrats, progressives, center left, left? uh non-wing nuts do in uh, in these next at least two years. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. We'll take a break and go to your calls and much more here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world, and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media, you know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump, must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Right here at the Gates of Hell on the Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Going to go to your calls, 818-985-5735. So uh, what now? What do we do now? We've been so focused on on so many things, and with the holidays and the, the recent fun drive here at KPFK, have not been able to open the phones for a while to ask, what now? What should we all do now? Um And I don't expect you to have an answer. 818-985-5735. You may not have an answer. I don't know. We're not going to solve this, I know, overnight. We're certainly not going to solve it in the course of this show. We may ask uh, again, though, in the future, what now? We may have to ask that a lot. we're talking about the Supreme Court. You know, the Republicans were in favor of letting the American people decide who should be appointed to the Supreme Court while well, the American people uh, decided it should be Hillary Clinton. So if we listen to the Republicans, you know, Ted Cruz, uh, back when the Republicans were blocking Obama's nomination for a year— he said, well, there's uh, his certainly long historical precedent for a Supreme Court with fewer justices. He says, I would note just recently that Justice Stephen Breyer observed that the vacancy is not impacting the ability of the court to do its job. All right. Well, I agree with Ted Cruz then. There's no need to uh, go more than eight justices on the Supreme Court. Uh, the uh, Dan Holler, uh, the Heritage Action, one of these right-wing uh, think tanks, uh, their vice president of uh, Communications said, uh, you've seen John McCain and others talk about the need to not confirm any liberal nominated to the Supreme Court. That's exactly the right position to have. That's what the uh, that's what the right wingers were saying uh, last year. So that was their uh, that was their strategy. Should it be the Democrats' strategy? The National Review said uh, on judicial nominations, senators are meant to advise, not rubber stamp. Good. So they don't need to uh, rubber stamp anyone. Uh, Also, uh, this is just uh, kind of fun. Uh, Republican lawmakers, uh, (laughs) this is Marsha Blackburn, Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn. uh, She put out a tweet today. She said, do you support the repeal of Obamacare? Retweet if you do and share what you want to see as the replacement. And she included a poll. Do you support the repeal of Obamacare? Eighty four percent said no ill-considered, Congresswoman Blackburn. All right, let's let's uh, let's go to the phones. What now? Ali in L.A. Uh, hey, Ali, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, Ali. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Thank you very
2: much, you very much for taking my call. Um, the, the problem is the Democrats. Democrats have a lot of problems. I'm a Democrat myself, and I'm very angry and upset with them, and uh, it just uh, very depressed.
1: Yeah, but what um, to do about it?
2: Well, they're very soft. Um, they're they they're too nice towards Republicans. Republicans uh, don't uh, they don't want to cooperate with the Democrats. They don't like Democrats. Right. Republicans don't like the president, and the, the, and the, unfortunately Barack Obama and the Democrats don't they don't understand that, and they need to be more aggressive. Like Tony Blair in 1997, he became the first prime minister, he almost outed the Conservative Party from the parliament. First time in British history.
1: So Demo- Democrats they, need to be more aggressive.
2: The Democrats need, need to be more aggressive. They need to be more positive and they need to be united. And And the, 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 they, they shouldn't cooperate. They shouldn't confirm any nomination that was appointed by the Donald Trump. Nothing. They should not. Uh, uh, confirmed. They should be aggressive. They should not cooperate with them, with Republicans. Just they should uh-huh. act exactly the same as Mitch McConnell did since uh, 2008. He didn't. He he blocked every effort yep. that was uh, uh, appointed by. By Barack Obama. They should act exactly the same thing. They uh, should not be nice. They should be more aggressive.
1: Very good. Uh, thanks, Ali. I appreciate uh, appreciate the thought. And uh, I, I'm interested, to think, not to, to hear from you guys, uh, not just what Democrats should do in Congress or in states around the country, uh, but what we, the people, should do along with it. Uh, I'd like to hear uh, both. Let's go to Sean in Riverside. Hey, Sean, welcome to the broadcast.
4: Hello. Hey. Hey. Uh, uh, yeah, I just was calling, well, originally when I called, <laughs> it was a different line, of a uh, different tangent, but, uh, it got me thinking when you're talking about the federal lands mm-hmm. being screwed over by people, but it made me think of the, uh, simple fact that the federal government stole all the, uh, was considered federal land and BLM yes. land from the Native Americans originally, anyway. Yeah, that's... without ever giving a single apology to them for that.
1: Well, uh, true and good point. Uh, although I don't think the answer is to give it back to or to give it over, turn it over to uh, to the developers and the states uh, for free. But no, I uh, think it
4: should be given back to all the Native Americans.
1: Yeah, sounds no
4: good. What kind of, well, no matter what kind of valuable resources are actually on them.
1: Sounds good. Uh, th- oh, sounds good, sorry. John. Did you did you have any thought, uh, by the way, on what uh, Democrats, progressives, uh, the left, the center should do now, setting aside um, the land issue for the moment?
4: Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, but um, as far as all that's concerned, you know, it's a difficult factor. I. Registered off and on as a Green Party, which you know for a while there had some strength, and it falls back and has strength. But as far as a the party, that always seem to whittle the way into the, into power.
1: Yeah.
4: The bigger problem, in my opinion, is money itself. Nobody wants to make the in the that's in, uh, on corporate media, whatever, ever acknowledges the fact that everybody on every level of government, even politicians, are all subjected to greed. Yeah, caused by the Federal Reserve, which isn't even a freaking American institution. It's a it's a corporation run by international bankers. Okay,
1: but fair. Out. Okay, uh, okay, and I've heard this uh, criticism, and and it's fine. Uh, but my real question is. Yeah. So now what? Because now we are stuck with all of these things that are absolutely under threat. What do we do now? And I, I don't mean to give you a hard time, Sean. I don't expect you to necessarily have an answer. Yeah, but I, I would say that I say that
4: the one thing that could be done more than yeah. anything else would be to boycott uh, having a direct relationship or involvement with companies or corporations that are that that operate with the Federal Reserve or any alliances they have, and especially anything that's Republican-controlled. Just to back away from those businesses or or banks or corporations that have any involvement with any of the politicians or straight-up Republicans, period.
1: Thanks, John. I appreciate the call. Uh, 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, John in Fraser Park. Hey, John. Uh, What's the solution here? we got uh, under threat media, uh, immigration, Internet freedoms, civil liberties, environment, education, labor, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, voting rights, housing, uh, public benefits like Social Security, health care, Medicaid, Medicare, the Affordable Care Act. The list goes on and on. What do we do now, John?
5: Well, like the caller before, I do agree with the need for definitive aggressiveness in an impersonal way what does that mean Uh, yeah well personally i'm not i I prefer not to be too aggressive with uh with debating or arguing with a trump supporter Mm -hmm. i prefer to uh give away to going out Mm -hmm. of their current position uh the ability to change their mind and make up their own mind but uh you know as far as Letting people know in an indirect, impersonal way mm-hmm. what should be done is absolutely necessary. And, it sh- and, and people shouldn't uh, back down when, when they hear nonsense. Right. But uh, going straight out and, you know, making somebody think like, oh, if I change my mind away from Trump, uh, you're going to tell me I told you so. Uh, mm. Oh, you're, I knew you'd come around, you stoop.
1: So no, give no, g- give no, them no, a way out. Don't uh, so uh, don't don't attack. So attack uh, uh, Trump and his policies but don't attack uh, attack his voters is what you're, well, you're suggesting. Well,
5: his his supporters don't oh. uh, make it so, make them feel defensive. Because yeah. they're defensive, they're feeling uh, scared about lots of different things that are yeah. uh, they're they're under attack on which, you know, I mean, the system is rigged. Mr. Trump is right there he's part of the rig
1: thanks john i appreciate that call appreciate the thought uh let's go to seth in woodland hills hey seth welcome to the broadcast what the hell do we do now
6: well the first thing i think we ought to do is to uh, change the guard
1: over at the democratic party
6: because they have uh they have only themselves to blame uh everyone you know knocks at Trump, you know, we know what he is and what he's all about and his mm-hmm. supporters. Uh, I think we should stop crying on that. Uh, look at, take a good look at what the, the opposition has done. The Democratic Party is a total failure uh, and replace the leadership. And so we need a concerted campaign, sustained and concerted campaign that uh, kicks out the current uh, Democratic Party leadership. And a good start would be to. Uh, have Keith Ellison elected as DNC chair Mm -hmm. and get uh, the progressives to get more influence. And I clearly see that, you know, they're not interested in that uh, because Pelosi is back up again. Uh, And and a lot of the the movers and shakers like Schumer, et cetera, they're not interested in real change. So I think people ought to get that message and go out and, and make this party a true uh, representative party for mainstream Americans.
1: And it would be it, it would be more so if uh Congressman Keith Ellison as you see it uh took the reins as the head of the DNC. Yes, because and he's
6: he's out of the mainstream. And what he's what
1: like about, about Tom guy? what about Tom Perez uh who is is sort of his uh, main wow. opponent uh, running against him you don't consider Tom Perez you consider him part of the no. establishment.
6: I, uh, very much so, because he's Obama's candidate, and uh, you can say a lot of good things about uh, uh, President Obama, but uh, he's he's pretty much, uh, you know, uh, I think he's, he's a slight improvement over Hillary Clinton, and so he's a Clintonite, and I don't think uh, that's what we need. We need something uh, that is much more in tune with uh, majority opinion and the gut uh, yeah. inclinations, and preferences that people have in the United States and all over the world, in
1: fact. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate that call. I appreciate that thought. Let me uh, take a quick break. we got a ton of people uh, calling in, 818-985-5735. Let me try to get to as many of your calls as I can, but let's take a quick break first, and we will come back. Uh, we'll come back to Bill in Santa Monica, uh, who has what I think is a great idea. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Bradcast. <laughs>
0: And thanks.
7: A long December, and there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than
1: the last. Yeah, we'll say. Welcome can yeah, it was a long, very long December. Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Deborah Skinner says on uh, on the the Twitters, which I am able to now get at least on my cell phone here. You can tweet me at the Bradblog. Deborah Skinner says, mass tweeting directly to representatives, especially non-supportive ones, they exist in an echo chamber, uh, is the solution to what now? How to reach? How to reach these people? How do I reach these kids? That's how you do it, says Deborah Skinner. I would say that it's actually phone calls. I'd say they're way more scared. They're way more frightened of actual phone calls to their offices in Washington, D.C. than they are of Twitter or Facebook or anything else. But, hey, all of the above sounds good to me. Uh, 818-985-5735. What now? What should non-right-wing nuts do? (sighs) Bill in Santa Monica, welcome to the Bradcast. Your idea, sir.
8: Thank you, Brad. My idea is we follow the same advice that Andrew Carnegie's mother gave him when he came to America. You take care of the pennies and the pounds will take care of themselves. I think there's too much focus on the national election for president. And as you were talking earlier, if when Obama became president, there were 28 governors, I believe, that were Democrats. Now there are 16 governors that are Democrats. Republicans own, I think, 69 out of the 99 legislatures around the country. Voting rights won't change, or we won't get a proper voting system in most of those states until the progressives put their people in the state houses and in the legislatures, like in California, like in Vermont.
7: Mm -hmm. Um,
8: And these individual groups, these progressive groups, they have to coalesce. They have to put that money together, and they have to put their efforts together in the putting in progressive people in state government, or at least Democrats, and you'll, and then they'll find that the things that they're after, the ecology, uh, the education, that'll start to change. But nothing will change until we win back those state houses and the legislatures. The Republicans are a minority party, but yet they're winning elections. Yep. And the only reason is because we disregard what's really important, and it begins at the grassroots level. But I want to thank you for your show too. It's really informative. I hope a lot of people are listening.
1: Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate uh, those kind words. Uh, Mostly appreciate uh, the really smart comment. Well said. Well done. Thanks, Bill. And I couldn't agree more with you. You got to start from the bottom up, which means you got to vote. And if they try to take away your vote, you got to fight to make sure you get to vote. And once you vote, you got to fight like hell to make sure that they count your vote. And once they count your vote, you got to make sure like hell that they count it accurately. All of that matters and not just every 4 years in a presidential election. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Edward A lot of uh, men. What no uh, women? Uh, what's up with that? Usually we got nothing but women. Edward and Sierra Madre, welcome to the broadcast.
3: Brad, hey, thanks for letting me on. Uh, you're doing a great job, man. Outstanding. Thank you, sir. Brad, you know, I want to I don't want to take too much time, but clearly we need to progressives and liberals need to infiltrate the democratic national party we need to go down sit in on their meetings raise our hands and say here i'm ready to go to work we got two years to turn this thing around we need to take that party over because they have the infrastructure they have the stuff we need in place and like your previous caller said you know we're we're looking at the big shiny thing, and that's that, that the presidential election, and we're forgetting about all the grassroots efforts. The work we need to do down on the street level, you know, in the communities, yeah. in the colleges, in the grammar schools, you know, the PTA, we need to turn this thing around. Well,
1: did we lose them? Oh shoot! We lost the caller. Uh, I probably hit something. But uh, I, I agree, uh, and thanks for that call. I really appreciate it. Uh, but uh, he mentioned infiltrating the the national party, the National Democratic Party. While that sounds fine with me, what about your state Democratic Party? What about your local Democratic Party, your county, your local party? Uh, turn out there—that's where it starts. Steve in your Belinda, welcome to the broadcast.
7: Hello, Brad Freeman. Hadn't called. Great show. Uh, I'm going to try and make it quick. I live out here in Yorba Linda, where everything is really conservative, and the the Nixons out here. Yeah. But the point is this. Some of your other callers, everybody's shooting around it here. We need a coordinated effort with groups like uh, Bernie Sanders, group, our revolution, any other groups like that, to put together a strike list, essentially, so that we don't have to wait for the next election so that we can have a series of topics and start acting like the friggin' Heritage Foundation, okay? Mm-hmm. So that enough progressive and other groups like that will put together this, this hit list to, to start pestering our representatives before elections ever happen. I called my representative here, Ed Royce, at, at his Washington office and his, and his uh, local office uh, yesterday or day before when, the, when there's Republicans are just coming in and start to do some of their stuff. In, in Congress, right? Mm-hmm. And so I let him. I let him. His office know two times about this AC about the Affordable Care Act thing mm-hmm. and something else. I didn't even realize the ethics things that they were screwing around with. Yep. C-SPAN's a great place to, to look into what's going on there. That's where I recognize that. Anyway, that's my point.
1: Thanks. There needs,
7: there needs to be a, a, a group a, a group list get together from those organizations to decide where we're going to focus our phone calls and our letters.
1: Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. Yeah, by the way, nobody knew about that ethics thing. They didn't announce it. They didn't debate it. They just did it in a secret meeting on a national holiday at night on this last Monday. Uh, and, and they just made it happen. In this case, uh, both uh, you know uh, Democrats and Republicans were outraged about it, started calling, calling, using the phone to call their congressperson. That's what changed it. It wasn't Donald Trump tweeting. It was the American people expressing their outrage uh, on the phone by calling into Congress. Uh, thanks, uh, Steve. I appreciate that call. Good luck out there in uh, in your Belinda in Nixon Land. Let me go to uh, Tim in L.A. Oh, Tim, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
9: Hi, Brad. Um, you know, I generally don't call into the shows, but uh, this, you know, the whole thing is, I think, is that is that uh, we have to channel our anger, channel our fear, channel our frustration into doing action on an individual level. And, And that means find an issue area that you really identify with and find an organization, preferably a local one, that you can go to meetings, meet people, network with people, and get involved. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's it's got to come from like you like you're saying. It has to come from the grassroots because we can't depend on these legislators to do a damn thing for us. I mean, we've got to we got to let them know um, by our actions that we are really mad and that, that we're not going to take this kind of crap. You know that that, and we're not gonna we're not going to take the the stuff that uh, the Trump people are are starting to dish out. I mean, it's just. It has to start at at an individual level, and if you don't know what to do or who to talk to, go online and find Bernie Sanders group and and join Bernie Sanders group until you. You know, I mean, there's so many issue areas where people can get involved with. You know, voting rights, like like you're so involved with uh, conservation and public lands, is just going to be a huge issue. Uh, Black Lives Matter. I mean, and all that sort of thing. And on top of that, though, I think we have to do. Is, is forget identity politics. We have to realize that we have to be unified. And you know what? We can have all those conversations after we after we win some elections. But, but right now, it's uh, it, you know I'm not a young guy, and this is as dark as I've ever seen it in this country. And, and we've really, really, really got to. Be active right now, starting today.
1: Thank you, Tim. I got to uh, be active and uh, get out here. I'm running out of time. I appreciate the call. Let me. Do I have time for? I, I think I have time for one more call here. Let me go to uh, uh, to Johnny in L.A. Oh, look, and and now we finally had uh, a woman call in. Sorry, Jennifer. I don't know if we're going to get to you, but uh, Johnny uh, in L.A. I got about 30 seconds here. What now? What should we do? What should we all do?
5: Brett, is it? Could we possibly
9: just change the locks on the White House?
1: (laughs) Change the locks on the White House. Okay. Sounds good to me.
9: He'll show up at the front door. like hey i can't get in the joint you
1: know what i mean uh, i like it johnny and it may be the most effective plan we have i really uh yeah it is dark thanks johnny thanks brother i appreciate that and appreciate all the other callers who uh who checked in sorry i could not get to everyone we'll try to do this again in the very near future until uh we meet again tomorrow my thanks to our producer desi doyan to my board operator federico garcia and to all of the callers and listeners who support what we do. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and I'm on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.